we have before us the opportunity to forge for ourselves and for future generations a new world order. Special vaccines. I don't like them putting chemicals in the water. They turn the friggin' frogs gay. I have always liked shit. I gotta be honest. All my friends are lizards. Hell yes. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Cold-Blooded Creeps, this time being hosted from the Lore Lord account. Um, and what we're, we're going to do is we're going to try to get the Lizard Man on in just a little bit. Um, he just sent me a message saying that uh, it's going to take a minute. Uh, he has actually deleted... Um, he he uh, he actually deleted all social media from his phone. Um, and so he's going to come back on here in just a little bit um so one moment here i gotta send a message delete all the social from his phone he is going to reboot come back on and um and so what we're gonna do is as soon as we get him on i'm sure that the cold-blooded creeps will um retweet this for us and then what i can do in the meantime is go over some important stuff um, first of all, welcome to the folks that are here in the room with me right now. Uh, it's a good time to do some shout outs to Juan, last night's big winner. Um, you got Chief Neckbone, who's always present. I'm always appreciative. Stacking Satoshi, what a friendly friend. Um, tried to help me out with my ledger last night. Um, it didn't work, but I was able to fix it today and that V friend is now listed. I'm fucking excited. I want to um, get that and get to some mutant apes. Um, let's make sure that we fucking make that happen, bro. It's a it's a goal of mine, man. I definitely want to make that happen. Um, if not this year, then at least into um, at least into 2022. Um, and so let me see here. Invite to speak. Um, he's on, boys. And so let me go ahead and get this here. And so let's see here. What other what other news do I have for you in with that's cold blooded creeps related? Oh, I should point out that this podcast is sponsored by um, is sponsored by Daddy's Deltas. I don't always recommend drugs, but when I do, I do recommend Daddy's Deltas. Um, they've got that Delta THC going on. They've got gummies in three different flavors. You can go to daddysdeltas.com and use promo code LORE to get yourself fucked up. And I can promise you they get you fucked up. It's scientifically proven to get you fucked up. Um, and uh, I know that because they actually have a whole study done on their website. Uh, and so uh, let's see what we got here. What else? What other cool tip points do I have? Um, let's see here. Make sure that you check out um, Cold Blooded Creeps, uh, creeps.com. Um, make sure you like them on Twitter, uh, on Instagram. Um, they're so heavy with it. I wouldn't be surprised if they even have a Facebook. Um, make sure that you secure your place on the whitelist. Make sure you're active in um, in the Discord and the Twitter. Um, the Founders AMA is out now. Uh, so you can definitely check that out. Um, if you have music that you would like to submit to us, please do. Just tag me inside the chat. Um, I'm happy to bring you on over there. Um, and then they have games going on at 10, 18, and 21 PST. 
Um, and then you can also check out the Creep House Casinos. Um, bro, we got a guest. This is a this is a huge one um, for me. Um, I'm super thankful, bro. Eric, thank you so much for joining us, my man. Can we hear you? Oh, you got to unmute. But I definitely have you on as a speaker. It says your mic is on. Or it should say. There we go. There we go. Yeah. Homie. They were making they're they're making it real challenging to turn on a microphone these days. There's a lot of clicks. <laughs> no, we, we have a lot of things in here and, and really I think it's because we're a conspiracy show. And so what ends up happening is it's the Illuminati just trying to censor us. But I am so thankful. Um that You know what? I normally I would just laugh at that, but I think you might be right because like, you know, after you know, almost two years or how long this fucking pandemic's been going on with, with everything and all the different Zooms and podcasts and things we've been doing online. This is literally one of the first times where we've had this level of issue yeah. where like the app is making me re I got verification and re-verification over and over to like crash discord. Then Twitter was hitting me up with, are you sure you're you? Do you really want to give this app a permission? Do you really want to turn the microphone on? It's uh, yeah, you might've got track of some attention. <laughs> yeah, man. I, I think so. And, and it's, uh, um, it's crazy because we had a, a little bit of issues last time with somebody else trying to connect. In all honesty, we it, I think it was yesterday, last week was the first time we realized like, oh damn, you have to be on your PC. Um, you have to be on your PC to, to or I apologize, you have to be phone, on your phone. Right? Yeah, you can't be on your yeah. PC to do it. Um, yep. Bro, I want to again, just thank you so, so, so much um, that, uh, that you took the time out and you were able to, despite all the technical difficulties, to still join us. Um, I don't, I bet you don't have any idea or remembrance of me. Um, but, uh, back, back, back. And, I, I've done a lot of drugs, man. It's, 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 <laughs> <laughs> I hope, I hope, I, you know what, dude, I hope we can talk about that. And I, and I really do. It's not even in the agenda. Um, but I hope it's something, uh, I hope it's something that we can talk about. Um, you're, like, you're, you're not the first person to say that. like, people will say that to they're like, Oh, I bet you don't remember it. You don't remember it. And like, yeah, you're you're not the only person I've forgotten. Like, that's, <laughs> <laughs> and it's not like I was maliciously like I, I've never walked away from some. Well, I shouldn't say that. there's there's some people that I might wish I could forget, but like I don't think I've ever walked away from someone and thought I'm going to forget about that person as soon as I can. Yeah, <laughs> bro. It's generally like positive interaction and stuff like that. What you know, what just happens is is like I said, quite frankly, I was when you met me. There's about a 98 percent chance because I was in public that I was highest as fuck. Yeah, bro. I, by the way, man, um, you're, I, I'm, I don't know if you, are you still in Austin? Yeah. Yeah. Bro. What the fuck dude? When are they going to legalize it there? Um, what? Uh, we're, we're doing that same thing that like used to do where we've got the, it's almost a de facto legalization, right? Because the, the DA won't prosecute, uh, anything under, I forget what the threshold is, but it's pretty high. Like, you, you know, so, you're, you're not going to deal with any like, you know, possession charge or things like that. Obviously you can't walk down the street and smoke a joint, but you can't do that in most places where it's legal anyway, because it's, you know, that's impolite. You're smoking around other people might not want to smoke. Um, you know, so it's, yeah, it'll, when are they going to do it? I, you know, I used to think it was when the money would come in, but I mean, how much more fucking money does there have to be? So we're just going to have to wait for a bunch of Puritans to die. For real, bro. We need to wait for the, all, all the old people to die, get the lizard people out of office, um, or become lizard people ourselves and absolutely, uh, take over, um, and make the rules and laws that we want to, uh, uh, to make happen, man. Um, 
Yeah, that's something like we're right there already. Like the whole like lizards just politicians, lizards like that. It's, it's because of obviously you know who I am and you know what I've I've, I've done that uh, you know there's lizard comparisons. But I'm like, why is it why is it lizards? Why was that this the species that became the synonym with you know the the politicians? Like it can't just be cold blood. Like, but I guess my question is here: What the fuck did lizards ever do? to deserve to be associated with politicians. Like, what, who did we piss the fuck off that, like, we're the, ba- we're the go-to bad thing? Oh, bro. Um, it actually stems from, it actually stems from um, a, a lot of, like, Greek and and uh, it, even before then. Um, it stems from, actually, we talked about this last week, um, from the, uh, it stems from the stories from even before the bible but it's even included well, in the that's bible what I'm about. Like, that's, what, that's what that's what i mean it's like yeah it's all that stuff like why is it that associated there i'm like yeah but like yeah that's where it stems from but like even before that it was like okay you're looking around the world you're an early man you're whatever and you're like i'm gonna pin all the bad shit on one of these animals which one's it gonna be <laughs> right and it's like I, I mean, I can only assume, like, right, that, like, you know, snakes were biting and killing people and whatever, and maybe there was some justification, but, I mean, you know, it's it's thousands of years later, and I just feel like, come on, man, other animals do bad shit. Lizards are the, <laughs> what about are the all ones. Fucking, what, what about all the plague rats? Yeah. <laughs> can't, we, can't we call politicians plague rats? I like call that plague idea. Rat people. Um, <laughs> Bro, so it, I, I one of the things that I thought of when when uh, talking to you about and especially the, the the lizard people and stuff, and there's so much I want to talk. But you're a philosophy major, right? Right. Yeah. So, so, so I mean, I, I got my I got my undergraduate degree. I have a yeah BA in philosophy with honors from Hartwood College. So fucking what? Like, uh, is there? Is there any like reason, I mean, philosophical reason why um, people like me and others get involved in so deep into conspiracies? Or is that more of a question for a therapist? I think I think I think what you're I think what you're looking for there is more of a psychological reason. Like, why do it for you're asking the you know, very you know basic question about ourselves where you're like, why do I like what I like? Or like, you know, why are all, why are me and all my friends the way that we are, right? You know, and that's a question everybody asks. You know, whether you're a, a knitter or a conspiracy buff, there's always the opportunity to say, hey, why 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 does this, you know, fire my neurons right, make me feel good? And, you know, I think, and I've, I, I had what I would call a conspiracy phase in it, and it didn't really so much grow out of it as it stopped being fun when people like Alex Jones were actually having impact in the world. Like I used to listen to him for fun all the time on, you know, Austin public radio. And it was great. You know, it was, it was entertainment, but when the entertainment bleeds over into the real world too far, it's like, hold the fuck on. Yeah, dude, that's right. Um, I had, I, I honestly forgot that. Um, I honestly forgot that, uh, the Alex Jones is in Austin, Texas. So, what kind of crazy have you seen? You anything, out, like, have you seen anything uh, wild since you've been there? I mean, it's not so much wild, but I've I've learned a lot more about it. So, like, I came to to Texas for the first time in 1999 on tour, and I, I had some friends here. You know, I had some friends in Dallas mostly, uh, but you know, I came through on tour with uh, the Jim Rose Circus in '99. It's my first national tour, and I was really excited to get to Texas because. In New York, as a high school or a uh, college student, I was big into the subgenius and the Discordians and conspiracy theory and a lot of that stuff, uh, you know, Kennedy assassination stuff. 
I really wanted to get down, you know, and get to, you know, where the Church of the Subgenius was founded. You know, I've been saying all the high weirdness by mail, all the conspiracy and weird stuff that I was into. A lot of it was coming out of uh, Texas, especially Dallas, Texas, in the 80s and, and early 90s. And so, and one of the things I discovered really quick when I got down here was, you know, Alex Jones on public radio. And I, you know, I was on the internet, uh, you know, probably about 89, 90, a little bit early because I had a, a school program thing. So I had seen, you know, I've been to conspiracy, the early bulletin board system, stuff like that. And like I said, I, I see the appeal. I think the, the appeal, and I think the appeal is very easy to see, right? It's, it's a matter of creative thinking. And it also has elements of mystery when you're sort of, you know, when you're unraveling, trying to unravel an event sort of idea and come up with theories for it. I think it's a very natural and appealing thing to do for a creative mind. There just has to, you know, if for practical purposes, there's got to be a limit. And I think, unfortunately, about four or five years ago, we went way past the practical limit. <laughs> like, it's, it's one thing to say, what if, and spin off a theory or something like that. It's a completely other thing to let these motherfuckers have real power in the real world and direct policy. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, dude. Um, fuck yeah, man. We got to fight the lizard people. Um, what's crazy though, when you talk about that is that Alex Jones, I mean, he was, I mean, he had meetings. He talked to. He he helped in some ways uh, a sitting yeah. president um, become elected. So that's wild. Yeah, he was. Yeah, that's that's what I mean. The fact that like I love the crackpots, and I don't want them persecuted or blah, 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 like that. I want them to be free to be crackpots, but I also want them to be in the in the right place, right? It's sort of like you know, if you imagine it like a king's court. Like I definitely want there to be a jester, but I don't want you to ask him about health and human services policy. Right, <laughs> like, like everybody's got their job. Everybody stay in your stay in your fucking lane. You scream crackpot theories that make us question shit and keep everybody on their toes from time to time. And you're the one who actually makes decisions about the books. <laughs> yeah. yeah, dude. Um, so, what is your what? Oh, here's one. What is the conspiracy theory that you think is most likely true? Not one that's already been proven. I'm not talking about like MK right, Ultra right. or something like that. But what's one that you yeah. think is plausible that kind of just sticks in your head? Right, and and, and and because you said that, like not one has been proven too, because that's the whole thing, right? Like conspiracies are real. The problem with most conspiracy theories is that, like, if you look at actual conspiracies, they don't look anything like <laughs> the 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 why the, the sort of like okay, I just not buying interdimensional beings, you know, farming or sort of shit like that. Uh, they're either and when they're like that, it's either a matter of like that doesn't look like a real conspiracy because it's it's too big or too branching or whatever, or it's one of those things is like, well, if that's true, nobody can do anything about it. So what's your fucking point? You're just trying to depress me, right? <laughs> um, Right. But back, back to your thing, like, um, for me, I, I don't, I don't know if, some, I think some people wouldn't necessarily consider it a, a conspiracy. I think for, cause I know that there are people that like to get really nerdy with the taxonomy and break them down. Like there's conspiracies and hoaxes and praying and all this stuff like that. But the stuff that I've always loved and I've always thought was great was things like Bigfoot, like the cryptozoology stuff yeah. is amazing to me. And because that's, that's what, re, if you look at like the Loch Ness monster and Bigfoot, that's what a real conspiracy looks like. A real successful conspiracy looks like, right? Because they've got people questioning the reality. They've got people doing stuff. And it's not a huge international organization of billionaires and secret armies and shit like that. No, it's a couple of people who can keep their fucking mouths shut. <laughs> yeah, dude. Um, and and that's the, that's the big hole in every conspiracy theory, right? It's like, 
if you've ever worked with more than two people, you know, nobody keeps their fucking mouth shut. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah, man. Um, fuck dude. That's a, that's a good one. Can, um, I don't even know Bigfoot. That's usually like in the Northwest. Am I, am I correct in that? Yeah, I think that, well, that's, that's the one that really sort of saturated pop culture and traveled around the world. Cause if you get like deep into like, I've got some friends that are really into big Sasquatch, the, you know, stuff. And I mean, I've again, dipped my toe in it, but like, uh, I knew Bobcat Goldthwait did that really great film on, on squatching and stuff, but it's, it's that Pacific Northwest version of it that, you know, traveled around the world. That's the, the Bigfoot one, but yeah, you know, obviously there are, you know, the, the Yeti and the Abominable so and all these other things that are, that are usually held up as like the different versions around the world and around different cultures. But that one kind of has the dominance of the mind space. You know, if you, yeah, in, if you go to Asia, people know Bigfoot, right? Just like in America, people know Godzilla. Like we could have invented our own Kaiju, but no, we just, that one's good. We'll take it. So, you know, Bigfoot traveled around that world that way. He's a, he's an international figure character. Bro, well, that's something that you and Bigfoot have in common, man. You guys are both international characters, well-traveled people. The story has been told all around the world, man. Um, well, that that was the goal for me. I mean, that's part of the thing for me, and you just mentioned before, having a degree in philosophy is like, it was, when I started off, I was a very philosoph philosophically based performance artist. Uh, it's not a lot of money in that. I don't recommend it, but uh, sideshow, you know, commercial art, basically sideshow does a lot better. But yeah, part of that, that motivation, part of my thinking in terms of design was, you know, as, and I think about it as an artist, you want to, you want to create powerful symbols, right? You want your art to be a powerful symbol. Well, by making myself my art, by working on myself and using body modification as a medium, I become a powerful symbol. So what was the, what was the first start? Like, what was the first thing that, um, that started your transition into, into your current form? <laughs> well, I mean, it's obviously the, uh, the idea. And so the idea was originally the, it wasn't so much lizard man as it was, uh, as through like throughout high school. And as a kid, like there's a lot of, I always thought about transformation. Like I love costuming, you know, obviously I was a big Halloween fan. Uh, stuff like that. And I did a lot of performance art pieces as a, as a college student where I would make myself elaborate costumes or, you know, to transform my appearance by doing different things. And, you know, it was a very natural progression to get to the idea of thinking about doing it permanently. And so when I discovered tattooing, which was right about my freshman year of, uh, college, I discovered Japanese tattooing. Yeah, I knew what tattooing was. I knew tattooing existed, but I hadn't really had much interest in it or thought about it much. Um, especially not in terms of like, in terms of doing art, but as a freshman, I discovered Japanese tattooing, you know, I saw these full body pieces, you know, concepts there. And from there, I started looking into tattooing more. And I learned about the tattooed men of sideshows and the people of the time, you know, about the same time frame, seventies and eighties, like uh spider web doing the tattoo protest on the steps of MoMA. And, you know, really got into the idea of conceptual and artistic tattooing. And just, you know, it's different ideas feeding in. I'm like 18 years old at this point. It's, you know, I'm at that point in my life where I'm, you know, figuring out these different strains of doing it. And it, it comes together into the idea of doing a permanent transformation of the body, which is something that's been explored in performance and conceptual art before. But I wanted to do it with tattooing and piercing and, you know, uh, atypical surgeries like my implants, things like that. And so I was, and I was looking at it as a sort of a furthering of the tradition of the illustrated man, 
you know, and it, my original thoughts, of course, because I was thinking in terms of art and galleries and stuff like that, I was thinking it's like bringing it out of the sideshow and into the art world. But like I said, yeah, the starving artist isn't a great gig. Paid sideshow performer is. <laughs> so so what, that's where I ended up. So what made you, what made you align with the lizard? What, so what, yeah, what made you pick lizard? Like yeah. I'm going that route. Well, yeah, I, I in, in the course of the development of the idea, I would write down ideas for themes. Because one of the things that I sort of figured out in my head is like, look, for this to work, for it to be impactful. And I looked at the history of Tattooed Men, and the, the most successful ones had full-body themes and did their faces. Right? There's a, there's a, you can go back in the golden age of sideshows and circuses and find all kinds of tattooed performers. Like that. Very few of them did their hands or faces, you know, public skin, right? They could still cover up, barely. Uh, but the ones that stand out that are really noticeable are the ones like Prince, uh, Prince Constantine, you know, sort of the original archetype of the guy who gets tattooed to have a career as a tattooed man. He kind of created it. And then you've got the great Omi, sort of the next, there's other, you know, important figures in there. I don't mean to diminish anyone else, but these are the guys that had full body tattooing and concept. And it, the fact that I'm even talking about them now centuries later shows that they're the ones that really hit. So I look to them for inspiration and for clues as how to best, you know, go down this path. And in that process, I was writing down the different concepts and ideas. And I, the ones that really stuck with me, I would sketch out, I would explore more. And, you know, finally, this is just what resonated with me was this reptilian motif. It appealed to a lot of things like, you know, even the conspiracy theory, the idea of lizard people and whatever. I'm like, well, I'm going to be a real lizard man. That was in there. My love of Godzilla movies is there. The fact that it ties together things that I wanted to do no matter what. I always dreamed of having a split tongue from when I was a child before I was, even knew it was possible. I even tried to have it done. I just I would draw figures with split tongues. I just thought it would be so cool if you could have one. Right. Um, you know, just this development. So I just kind of brought it together. And when I had enough of it there that I could see a, a total concept, then I went in. That took about four years. So it was 1994 when I had my first tattoo session. And what I got in my first tattoo session was a portion of the overall body design that I had kind of settled in on. Wow, dude, that's amazing. And so um, you, you've been planning it, you've been doing it four years of tattooing. How do you find so four, four years, four years, four years until I got four years from the idea really con congealing till when I actually got tattooed. So as I often tell people, I'm like, I spent more time thinking about doing this than you did getting to know the person you married. Right. Yeah, dude. I mean, you're really committed to this idea. You've been, yeah. you've been thinking about this idea. You've been, um, drawing love, uh, notes for this idea. Right. I mean, you've been, um, yeah, I had, had a whole sketchbook, you know, dedicated to this one project and idea. That's amazing. So when did you find your way? How did you find your way to the Jim Rose circus? So, uh, it was about, like I said, it was 94 when I um, first started getting tattooed. Now, since about 88, 89, I had been learning and doing sideshow stunts, uh, you know, mostly parties. It was a personal interest thing. It was nothing that I thought, like, you know, in my head, I never thought that I would make money for eating and breathing fire. Not, well, not when I was 17 or 18 years old. Like, there was, there was no market for it then, right? It was hard enough to even find anybody else who thought that it was, well, like, people would think it was cool, right? Like, I would do it camping or at parties and shit like that, and I heard the blockhead or whatever, so I was, you know, that guy that at your party would do this silly stunt, right? Well, as Jim Rose comes out, you know, and has his big pop culture moment in the early 90s with Lollapalooza, then, you know, the light bulb goes off in my head like it went off in a bunch of other people's heads who were doing the same sorts of stuff that 
well, there's there's a market for this. This is this has possible, you know, this this may be a viable career path. Who knows? Like maybe sideshows a real thing again. And so I end up, you know, I graduate from college and I'm still into it. I have about two years in between before I go to grad school. And I start grad school in 1996, and uh, you know, right away I'm just I kind of realize I'm like, yeah, you know, I, I don't want a career in, in philosophy professionally. I, you know, the obvious career track is teaching and. Uh, a little bit of TAing and just campus politics and different things like that. Maybe sort of really like, yeah, this is, I won't be happy essentially. So I was like, okay, well, what am I going to do? Right. I've gotten into grad school, whatever. And I sort of thought, well, why don't I take a real shot at doing sideshow, doing this stuff. So I started learning more acts, building everything up. Um, and in 90, I don't know, it's like 90, 98. Yeah. 98. I did, uh, a premiere for D Snyder's strange, I did D Snyder's strange land movie premiere in New York city. Cause a friend of mine who was a body piercer down there and worked with D on the movie and in his band, um, was helping putting together the entertainment and got down there and just did a whole bunch of sideshow acts and got a lot of good coverage. Uh, you know, New York magazine's local coverage was really good. Met a bunch of people from the Coney Island sideshow at that point, started actually making connections with other people that were in the business. And so that gave me, you know, as, people started to think, oh, hey, here's this guy. And I wasn't Lizard Man because I wasn't using that name. At that point, I was still doing doing it as performance art. Uh, I was using one of my online aliases, Spider God 5, for a little while. Um, and I called myself art by mistake for a bit. But anyway, so I get a little bit of notoriety. And it comes around that after uh, the Nine Inch Nails tour that Lifto wanted to take a break. And Enigma was getting ready to quit and go out on his own. I think Torture King had already left. And uh, Lifto and I had become friends online and we had talked back and forth a little bit via email. And he and another a woman named Denise in Canada, who's a good friend of Jim's and the whole circuit, the original circus, had both talked to Jim about me. And so he needed someone to come in and I was able to come in and take the place of Torture King, Enigma and Lifto and bring back uh, some of them at the tubes acts that, that, that weren't being done as well. Uh, some of them Enigma had picked up too. But yeah, I came in covering about three or four different performers worth of acts. And uh, how I got there was basically Jim needed somebody and I needed to get on a bigger stage. Like I was making a name for myself kind of locally around Albany. And I was getting, you know, decent attention on the early Internet of the, of the mid 90s. But to get out there in front of live audiences and get some real time and do a whole bunch of shows, that's what I needed. And he offered me a spot in his tour and I went out and did it. Damn, bro. And is that, is that, is that still, is the Jim Rose circuit still going? Is it, uh, now the, 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 like the thing about the Jim Rose circus is, is, you know, it's like I said that I, I replaced four people. Well, you ask yourself the question I should ask myself, which is why would four people leave it? If it's such a good thing. Yeah. Everybody's like, he's, he's, he's just intolerable. Oh really? It's <laughs> insane, huh? Yeah. It, it's, it's look, if, it, if I was the only person that said this about Jim, well then, Hey, maybe it's him. Maybe it's me. Right. Right. But there's a list of people that say this about Jim. There's a, there's a former tour manager of theirs who wrote an entire book based on how impossible it was to work with Jim Rose. It's called circus of the scars, torture King and Jan Greger wrote it. And uh, Jan's actually getting it, trying to get it made into a mini documentary now, you know, to sort of, because, he, you know, I'm like, at a certain point, I just feel like, look, you got to let it go. It was, you know, it was bad shit. And it's, a, you know, focus on the good parts of it and just try and have a good memory. But I'm like, some of those guys are still really, really pissed off and bitter and not without good reason. 
Yeah, I think that the the closest that I've seen since to something like that, and uh, and I wouldn't even think, but it's the Coney Island uh, presents. It's the Coney Island Circus Sideshow, I think it is. Uh, Sideshows by the the Seashore is the official title of the Coney Island Sideshow. God. So do you still have any friends from there? Is there... uh, Oh, yeah. I I look. I love Coney, obviously, because I'm a Sideshow guy, whatever. But uh, for over 20 years now, I've known Dick uh, Zigan. Zigan. Never. You know, I, I should someday. I should ask him which way to pronounce his last name. <laughs> but um, yeah, I've known Dick for you know, over twenty years now, and he's been running the place for longer than that. And uh, a lot of the performers that used to perform there, I've performed with there, and still do. And a lot of the new people coming in. In fact, it's it's probably one of the top ways that I meet new sideshow performers are the people that show up new there because it is it's a it's a stamp of approval. You know, for me, if I don't if I don't know anything about you other than those guys say, yeah, he was okay. We had him as part of the cast. I'm like, that's that's all I need. Like, that's that's a huge credit to you in my view. Fuck yeah, bro. And um, yeah, man. And so you were talking about um, because I kind of want to. Well, uh, first of all, I want to point out you're an author too. You talked about a book and something that's going to be put into a documentary. You used to do a whole bunch of uh, um, uh, writing in the in the past and blogs and 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 things like that. And you have your your own book. Um, I guess now is a perfect time to go ahead and plug that. Do you want to do you want right. to talk about that? Yeah, it's uh, so the book is called Once More Through the Modified Looking Glass. And through the modified looking glass was the title of a column that I wrote for an online magazine. Uh, BME, the body modification easing for any of those who might remember it. Uh, it, it was mostly famous for things like the BME pain Olympics, yeah. which you know, in, the, in the early days of like the internet, like style project and that shit, our, our content on BME, because it was all hardcore body modification stuff got ripped off all over the place. And, you know, it, way before Rogan had the Joe Rogan podcast, when he was just doing like comedy stuff, like on his personal web pages and stuff, he lost his mind over some of the BME Dude, they were fucking gory, bro. They those were. Well, I mean, we're we're talking about we're talking about dudes doing doing surgery on their own penises in their living room. You know, yeah, it was it was some intense shit sometimes. Um, (laughs) that's so crazy, bro. And and like, um, it's so crazy to hear you talk. By the way, that is not that is not an ad. I'm not advocating for operating doing surgery (laughs) on your own penis. Do not do that. It's it's a bad idea. I'll watch the video and make fun of you. I will. (laughs) Well, I've got to be honest as as somebody who used to see those videos it's it's insane to like it, you watch those things and you're like nah that's got to be fake that's got to be you know what i mean and then hearing, right. hearing it from you and you're like no dude that shit happened that's fucking wild to me you know oh. what i mean oh i i am i am going to take into whatever there is beyond this life with me some deeply scarred in images and, and things <laughs> from what i have seen as an editor there oh yeah <laughs> Wow, bro. That's, that's amazing. So that's telling like 16, 17 year old me, like, no, bro, like that validates what I saw. And that's, um, that's intense, man. Thank you for that. I guess, uh, in a, in a, in a a very sick way. Thank you. It's in a sort of way of like, unless like your brain had decided to cope with it by just saying, nah, that's fake. Nobody would ever do that to themselves. That's never actually happened. (laughs) And now that coping mechanism has just been torn away. 
so it it almost makes me want to revisit that and kind of like look at it and be like, oh shit, you know. Um, and maybe maybe one day we'll. We, I think that might be a good idea to um, uh, do a special just dedicated to the to the Pain Olympics, and um, maybe we could have you on as a guest to to talk about like what what you remember from that specific one. You know, it, it, it is funny, like you say, like watching it like that, that it does, I think because it's so extreme, what happens is it creates a disassociative effect mentally. Like what you're watching stops being a person and a body and skin and blood, because if that's what it is, it's too fucking much. So it just starts to look like this, you know, weird picture cartoon sort of, sort of thing. Like, I mean, I've felt that way. Like I've been at you know, some of these events and like I'm thinking of a particular one right now where a, a dude was doing a, a scrotal exposure, which is essentially, I mean, if you just l- look at the words, it, it's exactly what it seems to be. It's horrible. It's cutting open your sack for no particular reason other than to pull out your testicles and be like, hey, look, here they are. They're putting them back in and filling them up. <sighs> and so, yeah, like like watching this, and I was like, you know, there's a visit. There's a, at first, it's like, oh, God, no. But very quickly that went away. And then I was just watching this thing. I was like, yeah, what is it? It's like watching some dude do whatever. And I just like, who, who cares? Like I had lost all connection, <laughs> just severed. And I think that that was, you know, very much some part of my brain going, no dude. <laughs> wow. That's crazy, man. Um, I, so I could talk to you for hours. I don't, I don't want to do that, but I do have, um, one more question and I definitely want to bring it back to NFTs, but my next question yeah. for you is going to be, um, tell me your best. I mean, you've, you've, you've traveled all over the world. You've toured with Slayer, Slipknot, the Jim Rose circus. You've been out all over. Tell me your best drug story. Still there? Uh, tell me your best drug story. Okay. Um, is it, is, here's the thing, I'll, I'll give you, I'll, I'll give you a choice because there's a, there's a lot of different ones. Like, so is it a story where I'm on drugs or a story about drugs and other people? Oh, uh, you're on drugs. You're definitely, you're on drugs. Okay. okay so here, here's, um, probably the most notable acid trip of the last decade for there me. There we go. Yes. And it is, it is almost, uh, almost a, a decade ago in 2012. I was in New Zealand and I was on tour with a comedian named Gish. Gish, if you hear this, brother, I uh, hope you're out there and doing well. Uh, Gish was, or sorry, no, it was 2013 when I was on tour with Gish. Sorry, it's 2012 when I met him. The, the, the acid trip takes place in 2013. But just to get us there, here's how I met Gish. It was in 2012, I was doing a, a worldwide press junket for Ripley's Believe It or Not. I actually traveled around the globe, completely around it, going east until I got all the way back in 28 days did like seven countries, um, just press, 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 press. One of the events that I did in New Zealand, I did a quick stage spot. And right after me was this comedian, Gish, uh, musically based guys, really funny, really great. I ended up hanging out with him and his manager afterwards when we had a little spare time backstage. I uh, hit it off, stayed in touch via email. The next year, uh, they booked a tour and brought me in to do uh, like a co-headliner tour between the two of us. I mean, that's, they were nice enough to put it that way. I was opening up for him. That's the way it should have been. Uh, but so we're traveling around and it's uh, about a month and a half in New Zealand. And it's amazing. It's just, if you've never been to New Zealand, like everywhere you look is a postcard. You start getting angry at how beautiful shit is. Wow. Every time you turn around, you're like, fuck you for looking so beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it, and the people are like, I, I fucking love New Zealand. And like, and this is just so great. He's, you know, treated me like a brother off the plane. He was, and 
he's a heavy smoker too. And he, he kind of knew like right off the plate, like I say, he was like, a brother, he's like, Hey bro, we got a lot of stuff planned. And they like, you want to smoke with me first? You know, just like, I was like, you know, I do. I just got off a 14 hour plane ride. Yeah. yeah, fuck yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah. So he, he, you know, he was the perfect guy for me to tour with and, you know, and, and he's Maori as well. So, you know, we really got local and we did like small clubs, DFWs and all this stuff. Just this great tour. And as it was winding down, so I think, I think it was, yeah, the, the weekend or not the weekend, our, our, our days off before we did a couple of shows and then I flew back and we, we wrapped up a show with this club. We're like, okay, we know we got tomorrow off, no show. Let's walk into the downtown of this little New Zealand town. I don't even remember which one it was. And like, we hear, start hearing music. We're like, okay, there's a club around here. Let's go check it out. See what's happening. We run into these other guys and, you know, just like, Hey, Hey guys, what's up? You know, he, he, that's not what he said because it's very American. Very me. He said it cool. Like a New Zealander or whatever. He <laughs> <laughs> was like, Hey bro, what's, uh, what's going on tonight? So, you know, like and the guy looks at him and goes, run that acid, bro. And guess what he did? You got more? And like right there, these dudes sold us four tabs. And guess what I guess was like, but that's what I'm like, yeah, but I don't want to go to a club. I'm like, I'll, I can go to a, at that point, I was still drinking and smoking. I was like, I can go to a club and have a few drinks and it won't get on my nerves too much, but I'm not a big, loud scream over the music. That's not me anymore. <laughs> so I was like, if we're going to do this, acid, let's go back to our, you know, the little B&B thing that we've set up, we've got, and just like, put something good on the fucking TV, you know, smoke a little bit more, take the, take the acid and just really enjoy this night. And, you know, we'll watch the sunrise come up tomorrow morning, probably just see what happens. Right. And dishes down and we do it. We, we go back, we pop the acid. I forget what we were watching on TV, but I, I remember making jokes about bears, and bare feet and socks and all this. And it's starting to come on. Right. It's really getting there. And he starts having a little bit of a freak out. And he just it sort of like, I think he started thinking about, oh, you know, because I was taken off in a couple of days. He's like, bro, I'm going to miss you. And I'm like, I'm going to miss you too, bro. Like, but, uh, but let's keep it positive, though, because we're at the very beginning of what could be a long fucking trip, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, you don't, you don't want to start getting into the sad shit <laughs> right. before you're even before, before you're even sure you got good shit, <laughs> right? You know, you know, so I was like, let's, let's be positive. And so but he decides, right, and this, this is kind of a wild part. For, for him like because this wasn't that late it was it was late but it wasn't late late and so he goes i'm gonna get you some jade now new zealand jade is a, it's a very important thing it, it's sacred to the matter there's a specific type of, of jade and you're not supposed to get it for yourself it's supposed to be a gift so he's like i'm gonna get you some jade right and he takes off and i'm like just sitting there like should i come with you or something you know, the door's closing or whatever and i'm like Oh, well, you know, go with the grace of the Lords of Acid, sir. I hope you make it back. <laughs> and the thing was, there was like a little like souvenir and gas station place that really like on the corner. And I didn't realize this. And he, but he was still clear enough to remember it. So like I said, he goes out the door and I'm just like, well, there he goes. Right. So maybe 10 minutes later, if that, like he sprinted to this place, bought a, a necklace and sprinted back. And the door opens and I was like, holy shit, how long were you gone? And he's like, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes. I'm like, okay, cool. Cause like I said, it's starting to come on, right? Time right. frame is getting wild. Like he's like, I got you some data. I'm like, oh, cool, bro. You know, we, we hug. And I'm like, oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much. So now everything's good. We're joking again. It's rolling. And I'm like, now it's, it's starting to get a little bit more intense. You know, the walls are doing that little pulsing motion, right? Yeah. Every now and then I, 
every now and then I start to feel the force moving through the room, <laughs> you know, and, uh, and all of a sudden his face turns and I'm just like, Oh shit. <laughs> I'm like, Hey bro, what's up? He goes, I'm supposed to get the J, the jade is supposed to be blessed before you give it to the oh, other no. person. <laughs> and he starts going through the whole, like, like I said, he, he is, he's bowery. And I'm like, okay, dude, whatever you say is, as far as I know, that's fucking dogma, right? So he's like, and he goes, well, we can go tomorrow. We can go to the mountain. There's a, there's a, there's a man there that he could do the blessing on the mountain tomorrow. And it'd be cool. I'm like, cool. And then he realized that like we keep, and I pull him back from this. Cause I realized I'm like, this is going to fuck up his trip. If not mine yeah. with it. Right. And I'm like, just enough. I'm like, pull and phone back. I'm like, dude, dude, it's okay. It's okay. It's going to be good. Let's just fucking, let's enjoy ourselves, man. I literally just, let's, let's just zone out here and just feel it on it. But he would, he'd come back to it. And then he realized, Oh no, it wasn't going to work tomorrow. Like, so ultimately we get to probably about four or five in the morning and now he's full on like, man, it's going to be bad luck. It's going to bring bad luck on me. It's going to, you're going to take bad luck with you if you don't get a blessed soul. Oh, like, poor like, dude. And I'm like, at this point I'm freaking out. I'm just, I'm trying to do anything to like save my trip and, and him. Right. And I just like, I go, okay, I go, can you do the blessing? He goes, yeah. I'm like, well then let's bless it right now. Let's just fucking do it. And he's like, and he goes, all right, fuck yeah. Anyway, so I go and I get the, the necklace back out of my bag. I'm like, let's fucking bless this thing. Let's do it. He goes, we got to be outside. We go outside. He's like, looked around. He's like, no, it's not right. So now we're two dudes, we're two dudes tripping on acid, wandering around the parking lot of a little, like, it's like a, a set of condos that were all Airbnb now. So it's more like a hotel. He's like, no, no, no. We go down the road a little bit to where there's a roundabout. There's a little grassy mound in the middle of it. He's like, that's perfect. <laughs> So we go out there, we're sitting in the middle of this roundabout, this little grassy hole, and, you know, he holds it up, he says a few, you know, just takes like, says a few beautiful words like that, you know, we hug, I'm like, I'm cheering up now, at this point, he doesn't realize this, but it's like, probably about when we started walking out the door looking for a spot, I started thinking about one of our ferrets that had passed away a couple of years ago, and like, on, went on my own fucking emotional journey, making oh, no. peace with that, but it all kind of timed out nicely, when he was done and handed me back the nexus in there. So yeah, we did big hug in this roundabout. And then like, I had another moment of clarity and it was like, dude, let's get the fuck out of the road. <laughs> and so we went back into, back to our little babies like that. And I was like, are you good, man? He's like, I'm real good. I'm like, I'm good too. Let's go to bed. And I was like, yeah, that was right about sunrise by that point. <laughs> wow, man. Cool story, dude. What a, what a cool story to be out in New Zealand tripping on acid and, and, um, getting Jade blessed and, and right outside some condos, bro. That's, uh, that's that one I recommend. Yeah. <laughs> um, fucking great, bro. And one of the, one of the, one of the biggest reasons we got you on here was to talk about NFTs. And I know that you talked about just as a segue, you were saying, you know, you you started your career kind of right at the beginning of the internet. Like it was, it was still a pretty new thing in the nineties. Yeah. Like the, the, the public internet. And I mean, that actually, that's a big part. Like it's one of those things where you say like, Oh, you know, what, what advice would you give people? And it's like, there's a certain point where your advice becomes outdated. Right. And that's happening more and more and faster and faster because like, I can remember the, the advice that I got about cell phones, being on tour in the early 2000s, that's completely wrong now. Like back then they were too expensive, right? And so, but in the early internet, because I was a little bit of a nerd and whatever, I was there and I had a, I had AOL pages, you know, I was back on Gopher when it was all text and these things. So that helped me out because I was one of the first sideshow freaks to have a web page. I literally got cast. I got TV shows for that for years 
over other people because it was easy to find me and contact me online. As soon as like uh, casting people and producers figured out the, which that took until the late nineties, right? When they figured that out, they were just Google searching sword, swallower, fire, all that stuff. And there was a, there was a time like about 96, 97 when the great Fredini and I were basically the only two sideshow performers with any web pages, you know, anything you could find in a search uh, again, way before Google, way before all this shit. So like back then I had, what happened was it wasn't like, I was like, Oh, I got this figured out. This is how I'm going to do it. What happened was I was a lucky nerd at the right point in history. And it made my other hobbies suddenly very lucrative. Fuck. So let me, so bro, do I have the thing for you? Um, uh, NFTs, bro. I, I think, um, I think that we are at the very, very beginning, just like we were when you were first setting up your, your, your basic web pages and you're such an artistic human being, uh, by nature, um, that I think that once you understand kind of the fundamentals, um, of NFTs, I, I just think it's going to be something that you're able to dive in full force. Um, I could see you doing things in the metaverse, but I for sure see you being able to release your, your own NFT. Um, and I say that because you, I mean, you do drawings and things like that, correct? And if not, yeah. Oh yeah. So yep. you could take those drawings and you could have them. Um, I mean, you could self publish an NFT and when it sells, so let's just say that, and, and I'll, I'll use dollar amounts for fiat because I know I'm sure you're not familiar with ETH. Um, but, or, or are you familiar with ETH? Uh, a little bit. I'm actually, I, I hold, I hold some, I, you know what? I've, I've got one of those, uh, one of those early, uh, Bitcoin stories, but but one of those could have been a could have been a millionaire, but you know. Oh, <laughs> that, tell tell me was, that story before we even go any further. I want to hear that story right now. Okay, so uh, like I said, you know, be I, I have I have been the lucky nerd at the right place at the right time for a lot of things like that. So in the incredibly early days of Bitcoin, I stumbled upon through a, through another friend online uh, about mining way way before it was even so this. Like we're, we're talking, you know, before it was a, a nickel. <laughs> so they, I was looking, I was looking at my, but just didn't have at that point, right? I was, as is, you know, early 2000s. And I'm looking, or is that, I'm trying to remember the timeline of this, right? Because I know I was doing the Jaeger tours at that point. That was part of the reason is so I had dropped 2011 a lot. is when uh, I think Bitcoin finally dropped. Right. Was that when it dropped? Because there was something, uh, it might be confusing with something, but, anyway, but so like uh, to get to the Bitcoin thing, like, one of these was at one point, because I had a buddy who was using Bitcoin for Silk Road. We all remember how great Silk Road was, right? Yeah. <laughs> he was, uh, he's, a, he's an international friend of mine and he discovered that he could get his mushrooms via Silk Road, which is the only reason that he got involved with it, using Bitcoin and, and alternate currencies and things like that. And at one point, like I said, way back, whatever, and yeah, probably close to a decade ago, like that, he had to pay me money for a gig that we were doing together, that we were working together, and he offered to pay me in Bitcoin. Uh-huh. And I don't, you know, I don't know exactly how many Bitcoins $100 would have been back then, but yeah, it would have been insane. <laughs> oh my God. And um, so were you like... And I said, no, give me cash. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit, bro! Uh, that's a good one, man. Not like fuck. No, I don't want your fucking digital. Well, it wasn't, even, it wasn't even fuck. No, it was it was it was a pure practical matter of I'm like, 
No, dude, just hand me that hundred dollar bill. Wow, <laughs> dude. Oh man, that's uh, that's gotta hurt, dude. Um, crazy. Uh, I would, well, it doesn't hurt. It's, it's like anything. I was like, yeah, you know, if I had decided to start an investment account when I was seventeen right. instead of when I was thirty-seven, you know, it's, that's not the sort of shit you get mad at yourself about. Yeah, man. <laughs> um, fucking. So what? What I did want to talk to you about is kind of like uh, uh, what how I think NFTs could possibly help you. And there's so many different ways you could do it. You could sell your own. To me, like for just the the, the minimal amount, like I, you know, I understand non-fungible token, like the the very basics, like the ABCs there. I've, I've gone that far, you know, and look, it it really, it it strikes me as, you know, I think you're right. Like it's, they're hitting now because they're a technology and they're a technology that's searching for, their niche, their particular application. I think there's a lot of things that they look like they could be really great for some of which they're nobody's trying. Like there's a lot of focus on art, which, you know, as an artist, I have no complaint there. No, no complaint at all. You know, one of my friends from, from college, who's a, a painter in New York City, is part of the cube art fair is doing fairly well as a, as a traditional fine arts painter and galleries, just, uh, I think it was business magazine or maybe New York business magazine. One of those followed him around as he minted his first NFT to go along with a painting. And stuff like that. So those applications, but I'm like, I just, I think that the the thing that I'm seeing when I'm trying to like research stuff like that is to talk about like, where is this technology really going to land in terms of its best sort of applications and uses? Whereas you've got a bit of a feeding frenzy, like all this happens like, oh shit, something new and everybody jumps in. You know, if you get, if you get part of that initial hit, great. But the long term might be, might, they might be somewhere else for them. Yeah. So, I mean, I think for somebody you like you that does tours all, all over, um, I think that you could or create, used to before there was a plague, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, I think that you could create, uh, you know, even if you only did, um, even if you only did, uh, a hundred of them, um, and they were a thousand dollars each, but you said that with this pass, you could come to any of my shows for free. Like you could put them on the guest right. list. Well, to it, be there. It's Go the ahead. old rocket from the crypt. If you get a tattoo, if you get a tattoo of our album logo, you get into every show for free. Yes, exactly. Exactly that. Except if somebody were to sell that, you would get a commission off of that. That means that every time, right. so somebody's like, "Hey, you know, I I want to sell this pass that I have, this lifetime pass." Um, it, whenever they sell it, you could get a ten percent commission off of that um, every time they're they're bought and sold on the market. You know, um, I, and I mean, I, I see that's that's one of the reasons where I think there's a, a huge that I've seen where there's, there's a huge appeal in that, right? Because normally, yeah, you know, I sell you uh, a painting or a book or whatever, and then you resell it. And the, the original person, like that's always been, you know, and I think there's some validity to it, but also like in the used game market, for instance, though, that's an example where like there, there's some, some real greed driven stuff like there where like, you know, because Nintendo like openly said above, uh, I think it was Nintendo openly said of like GameStop where they're like, we want a piece of that resale money. Why aren't we getting some of that? It's like, well, no, because you sold the thing. Right. Like, <laughs> well, what I think there's also, there's going to be, if, if there are any, if you're going to give advice to somebody in law school right now, this is an area of law that's probably going to make a lot of lawyers an insane amount of money because it's going to, the ideas of what constitutes property and, and sale is, gets re- like, we're already in a weird place with that with license agreements, right? Where it's like, oh, you didn't really buy that song on Amazon Music or whatever it is you're, you're using, right? You yeah, actually bought it. a license to listen to, right? And it's like, that is all that's already a really dangerous thing for consumers and yeah, you know, has a lot of like weird implications and 
yeah, I, I think like the, the legal stuff around this is going to get crazy murky real fast. Yeah, that's funny, man. That's a that's a different take on it. Um, I think the rest of us think wag me, which is we're all gonna make it, and fucking, right. uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, having that that. Oh, yeah, I, I, I'm just at this point, you know, I haven't, I ha- I haven't amassed enough knowledge to have a position. It's just a matter of like finding different things and like just keep throwing out like, well, what about this? What about that? Like, and then gradually I'll figure out where I fall that you know where I settle down to. Yeah, and I would say too that some, uh, what you know, in in response to kind of what you're saying, I would say that there are some projects um, that go in either direction. You know, uh, Gary Vaynerchuk decides to own all of the intellectual property, so you couldn't you couldn't right. license it or do anything with it, anything with it at all. But like Board Ape Yacht Club, on the other hand, um, they give the licensing rights to the person that owns that, um, and so now you can feel free to put it on a backpack and sell it or or do something else. So there definitely are two. Two, two areas of thought um, on that, right? And that's, that's, and that's right. It, some of that, some of it comes down to how the person going in approaches it, like that. How they're going to use that technology. Like I said, I think those are two really great examples of yeah, the different thought process of going in. Like you can use it, you can use this to be like, yeah, I want this to be for everyone, or you can be like, I'm going to lock it down. Yeah. <laughs> and, man. So do you see yourself getting into it at all, or are you going to sit on the sidelines for a while and see how everything plays out? Yeah, at, 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 this, at this point, I'm still a, I'm still a sideline sitter, but I, I, can, I can see it. I can see it happening. It's just a, a matter of it. It's, it's that moment of hesitancy, right? It's, it's the moment between looking at the water and jumping in the pool. Yeah, man. <laughs> how long that's but, but, but ultimately the thing is like, I came here to swim. So I'm, I know I'm eventually I'm jumping in the pool, right? <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, yeah, dude, jump in the pool, drink the Kool-Aid, uh, do all of that. We'd love to fucking have you, man. Um, I'd, I'd be stoked to buy my, uh, uh, to, to buy a lizard man NFT. If it was a picture of you doing a stunt or, um, something wild, man. And, uh, I don't care what conditions you put on it. I just, uh, be happy to support. How can people support you, um, currently now, where can they go? What can they get what can they do well you know it's a, the, the the good old-fashioned uh, system for uh, that's become for every artist which is buy my merch man <laughs> so that's what you, can do. you can you can go to amazon and you can find my book on kindle uh you know it's it's 299 i've got a big update coming for it because um you know the the articles that are compiled in there were written about 2004 to 2006 then i edited them together for a book and did new commentary in 2010. And now this past year, I've been slowly going through it. So you're going to get another 10 year update. So you can find out like what, what things I hated about. I hate about myself from back then, what I think I'm still right about, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so yeah, the, the book is a good way to do it. Uh, on Instagram, I just did the holiday thing, set up a, a spring shop. There's not a lot in that right now, but there'll be more. Um, I'm really actually, you catch me at a moment where I'm trying to get my online house in order again. Like I said, in the nineties, I was ahead of the curve because of the nerd, but I also had a lot more spare time. I kind of dropped off. You know, I, I went from being able to do whatever I wanted with flash and HTML three to, Oh shit, I don't know how to make a website anymore. <laughs> so, uh, I'm, I'm putting up new stores. I'm getting new stuff up there. Uh, hopefully a couple of more writing projects will hit in 2022. Um, you know, stop by the lizardman.com every now and then the lizardman.com and click on some links and, uh, you know, 
Paul, thank you for visiting. <laughs> Fuck yeah, man. We got to figure out, uh, we got to get somebody to help you to get lizardman.eth and to get you a, a Web3 site so you can always accept some type of cryptocurrency without ever having to worry about, do I have the 100 or not? <laughs> um bro thank you thank you thank you so much uh for jumping on with us man um i would love to be able to reach out to you again sometime um hey it's been, it's been an absolute pleasure and yeah you know feel free you can um i mean this is weird that we're having this conversation but it goes online but we're like yeah just email me whenever you want if you want to do something again have another conversation i know we kind of it just happens with me a lot i'll take you off the rail and if you don't go back to the list of questions i know we didn't get to a couple of things we can hit those up again some of the time. Yeah, bro. I'd love to be able to get you in the Discord this time. Um, I think a lot of people got yeah, lost. I'll try and figure that out. I think, yeah, I think the big problem was the Chromebook that I was trying to get on with. And, like, now, unfortunately, Discord thinks that my phone number is associated with trying to be associated with two different accounts. So it's verification kicking me constantly. But I'll get it figured out, and hopefully we can do that next time. Bro, I will definitely reach out to you again, and and I hope that uh, if you let me know when you figured it out, um, or if you need help figuring it out, bro, I'm here. Um, let me know. I, I I would definitely love, and I know that a lot of the creeps community would love to to hear from you as well. Um, thanks. Okay, anyway, if, uh, I'll I'll try and re I'll try and remember to let you know once I get it straightened out. But if you don't hear from me in a while and you're wondering, just nudge me about it and. Oh, we'll get to take care of. Don't worry. I appreciate you so much. Um, that's going to be our show, man. Make sure to check out creeps.com. Um, they're going to be dropping later this month. Um, you'll want to make sure to check them out on Twitter, on Instagram. You'll want to uh, make sure you're hitting up their Discord, man. There's a lot of good stuff happening there. I love it, bro. They have blood sacrifices. They have conspiracy talk. Um, it's going to be a play-to-earn game. I'm being absolutely honest honest with you and i think that uh i think these folks were were genetically modified they were put in a lab and created just to do this project um they run like a very well oiled machine um and i, I just highly recommend them i think it's going to be a fun fun project make sure to like uh lore lord on twitter um dude if you like this podcast or any of the other podcasts that i do then i, I strongly recommend that you go to daddy'sdeltas.com use promo code lore so that you can get yourself um some delta nine gummies um, yeah, dude. And that wraps it up. Thank you so much, everyone. Everybody who stayed and tuned in. Chief Neckbone, bro, I appreciate you so much. Um, uh, canines, homie, uh, I, 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 from the bottom of my heart, thank you. Um, Eight Reezy, of course, Creeps, uh, Lullaby. Thank you, guys, man. I appreciate you. And that's it, man. I'm going to fucking get this out as soon as I can. Have a wonderful night. Talk to you, bud. Later, buddy.